I wondered, can you hear me? It's just the strangest ship. <laughs> really, this is every week this happens. Testing, testing, one, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. <coughs> I guess we could pause it here. Uh, so um, we did a meditation tonight that was about embodiment, right? And so we began by scanning the body just to get used to seeing how our consciousness can be aware in any part of the body and that we can sense or be aware of the whole body in a direct, immediate way that bypasses our thinking about the body, but it's feeling or sensing or knowing it immediately, directly. And then we focus the uh, meditation to the belly center. And that is the center of that kind of knowing, a meaning of sensing, of being aware of the somatic, kinesthetic, energetic reality. And um, the hara um, is one of the three centers that we're working with. Um, for this class, but really the, the hara is an, uh, a metaphor for embodiment, for being here. And so even now, I want you to all sense your body in a very relaxed way. And you could sense your ka, your hara, Right? You could focus there while you're listening, or you could just feel your whole body sitting here while you're listening. And put the body in the foreground. And notice if you can do it in a relaxed way of just feeling your body, that you can hear me also. Does that seem doable for most people? Anybody that not seem doable for? Please. I can do it, but I notice it's much easier if my eyes are closed. Well, you can... Visuals are uh -huh. So here, sense your body for a second and close your eyes. Close, close your eyes, right? And you said it's easier for you like that. Feel your body, sense it, be aware of it, be aware of the, the hara, what, whatever part of the body, but generally the whole body and the hara at the center. And as you're doing it now, keep doing it even when you open your eyes. Keep doing it even when you open your eyes. And the sights will all come in and shapes and colors and dimension and distance and space. But keep sensing your body as you open your eyes and keep your eyes open now but keep your body in the foreground. And it's a different way to be in the world, to be in our bodies, and to be embodied. 
Right. Well, but is it okay to sense your body even when something's going forward? You might not have. You're learning it. That's okay. Don't, no, no problem or no judgment about it. We're, we're playing with uh, uh, some different ways of practice associated with the three bodies, the three centers. And this is body center. And this is not something that's taught so well because most of us always think about um, to be mindful means to be aware of something else. It doesn't, it doesn't support the presence of being here, the awakeness that is right here, right? And that is an embodied awakeness ultimately. And I'll say more about some of all of this as we go. Um, I had such a, here's what happened to me. Here's my dukkha. I'm confessing my dukkha. Uh, like 15 minutes before I was ready to go, I, I wanted to print out what I'd been working on. I've been working the last two days on what I was going to teach tonight. And I did something, and all of a sudden the wheels started spinning and one stopped spinning. So I couldn't get, and it hadn't been saved. I mean, it had been saved yesterday, but it didn't get saved today, what I, everything I did, which was really the fun. And so I'm watching it spin, 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 and, and there's no way to get out of it except to shut the whole computer down and see what is there when it, and anyhow, it was a drag, as you would commonly say. And so, um, and so I even, I was going to bring this book to show you and read from, quote from, but I forgot to bring the book because I was so upset about losing the talk and the whole outline for the evening. And the book is called Hara, The Vital Center of Man. And this is an old book, so it has an archaic um, languaging right the vital center of man and now if he wrote it we would make him say the vital center of humans right because it's not just man and and but he's he knew something about what he was talking about about hara his name was uh, uh von durkheim i believe german but a zen practitioner for many years and it's a really good book about being and presence. And he was a Buddhist practitioner for many years, and he knew something about the magic of true nature. And, and so he was pointing at it because he said, that's where Hara takes us, is to waking up as a living being, not as an amorphous being, or not just transcending reality, but waking up in the middle of reality. And so the hara, which I believe I said this last week, is also called the, the, uh, the kath in Sufism or dantian in Taoism, is a, is a known center, and it's the body center. And the key piece that I felt after everything I looked at you know, here the center of body, embodiment, movement, martial arts, key for martial arts, 
for functioning, for grounding, for centering, for hearness, and for sensing experience, for letting consciousness permeate our experience and know it quite directly, quite immediately. Not just from a distance, but within the experience itself, we start to know it. And so, uh, and so the key word of almost everything I read and, and have felt was about embodiment. And that's the dukkha that we're wanting to be free of, which is disembodiment, right? Because this is where we are, right? Everybody got that, right? This is, this is what's happening for this life. This is where we are in this body, right? Consciousness is here with this body. You could say in or with or in the location of, however you want to say it. This is where consciousness is, is with the human body. And it's not with this body forever. It's with this body for as long as this body lives. And from one of my teachers, Hamid Ali, he said, the kath has a lot to do with physicality. It has to do with concreteness, solidity, with the here and now, with embodiment, with being grounded. Right? So here you can hear the powers that come with, with, the, with the Hara practice. He calls it the kath. Um, it has to do with concreteness, solidity, with the here and now, being, yeah, with the here and now, with embodiment, being grounded. It makes things more real. It makes things more real when we're embodied, when we're here, when we're not everywhere else, but when we're here, because this is where our location is, is embodied in this way. And the more a, a person is centered in her, her hara, the more her entire life becomes more real, immediate, more concrete. And when you are centered in the hara, when you're not in the realm of ideas, then you are not in the realm of ideas, of images. You are in the realm of existence itself. You are in the realm of existence. And I would change the language here. I would say we're in the realm of aliveness. And we're alive. And we are the life of aliveness. And it's right here. Right? It may be many other places, but it's right here. It's right where you're sitting. It's right. And so what is it to start to let your consciousness permeate the aliveness that's sitting here, which also includes ultimately heart and mind, but includes, is key, is the body. It's a doorway to presence. It's a doorway to true nature. It's a doorway to awakening and discovering who and what we are and what's the possibility of our potential as human beings. So I want to encourage you all to keep feeling, sensing, staying close to your body now as I'm talking. And of course, I'm going to encourage you to keep staying close to your body right now and also later when we're interacting which is another 
dimension of skill to really stay embodied while we're interacting. And this is one level, you're, you're listening now. But also for me, I'm, I wanna be here. I'm not trying to be there. I'm trying to be here, or really, maybe ultimately I'm trying to be both here and there. But first I wanna get here and then relax. Because what I've seen is the presence and relaxation and awareness can allow everything to be known. And then there's a certain kind of freedom of not doing it, but it's doing itself, the awareness. This is from one of my friends, Joseph Goldstein, really was one of my first teachers. I set my first long retreat with Joseph Goldstein, Jack Cornfield, Sharon Salzberg, many, many years ago when the three of them used to teach together in the old days. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun with Joseph on the first retreat because I had some very powerful experiences and all he wanted to do, he, he listened to me, he listened, I said, and, and I was so um, altered by what happened. I said, uh, am I gonna be okay? You know, like, am I gonna be normal? And he said, oh yeah, you'll be okay, but I'd like to get you on the three-month course. <laughs> you know, I was sitting at 10-day 10, 10 retreat, and that was very Joseph-like. He was very devoted to meditation, Joseph. He, Joseph said, the Buddha made a very powerful statement about the body and being mindful of the body. He said, mindfulness of the body leads to nirvana. Mindfulness of the body needs to nirvana. Such awareness is not a superficial practice. Mindfulness of the body keeps us present. That's from Joseph, I'm quoting about both what the Buddha said and what he's saying. And so being here now, being embodied now, is something that will serve us wherever we are, whatever we're doing. <clears throat> and it begins to erase the split between transcendence and manifestation. Right? Because a lot of spirituality, a lot of Buddhism points at transcending reality. And there's something important about that, but it's not the end of the story. It's important to know that the whole story isn't just conventional reality. It's not just what we were raised to understand, like, oh, get a job and get a partner and, you know, make a lot of money and have a good life and then everything's fine. Which I think you know that's, you know, that's nice if that those things happen, but that may not be the potential of human life. And so the transcendence is very important to see there's something beyond the usual, beyond the familiar, beyond the habitual about who and what we are, about what's also sitting in each seat, which really is about each one of us discovering the essence of who we are, the truth of who we are, the, the Buddha nature of who and what we are, and then living it in the world and embodying it in the world. 
so that it's not just something we do when we go on retreat or go to sitting or somewhere else. Those are all good, and yet we want to practice everywhere. We want to we want to wake up everywhere and we want our awakening to awake everything. So some of the qualities or characteristics that come with embodiment is a sense of hereness. We're here. We're not in the virtual world of our ideas and our minds and our beliefs and our opinions and our history and our imagining and our, you know, whatever it is we get lost in, right? But actually we're like here. And all that's happening right now is you're here. And you're hearing what I'm saying and you may be taking some notes and that's all fine, but you're still just here. A friend of mine, Howard Cohn, he once said, he said, oh yeah, we always we always think we're in the past and in the f or the future, but actually we're never in the past or the future. We're always here, maybe thinking about the past or future, but the only place we ever are is here. And so that here-ness is something we want to become more familiar with or more um, intimate with. It's actually a really nice word to use about uh, body practice because we want to become more intimate with our aliveness and our physical presence because it's just what's here. It's very simple in that way. And the immediacy is really the co-emergence of the body and hereness. It's really landing in our life in a very full way, in a very complete way, in a very human way. I may have said this last week, the Dalai Lama said that our, that, uh, our greatest task is to become fully human. He might have said more fully human. That's our greatest task is to become more fully human. And he's pointing at the potential of what it is to be a human being. And it's sitting here right now. It's not somewhere far away. It's not in these banners that come from different religions and traditions, right? I mean, those are all great banners. I like the banners, but, but we, you, are, we're all much more interesting than the banners, at least for me, because this is where aliveness reveals what's true, reveals the Dharma. And so getting here and becoming embodied means finding a home and finding a home in a home we've been given, which is human birth, human life, human body. This is it. This is the, the mansion we've been given, or the, this is the, I don't, I'm looking for the right metaphor, this is the great football field we've been given, if you're into football, or, you know, I, 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 I pay attention to sports, so, yeah, I, oh no, it's like the athletics are looking for a new stadium, right, in Oakland. 
I'm like, this is the stadium we've been given. We've got a really good stadium. And that doesn't mean it doesn't have problems. I'm not saying it's a perfect stadium, but it's an alive stadium, wherever the life is. And so the body and body center grounds us in physical reality, not virtual reality. And it begins to center us. It begins to recalibrate our orientation to being alive itself. And this happens generally over time. It doesn't often happen just with one sitting or a few sittings. But slowly, over time, see what happens, because you're going to have some homework this week about being in your body. See what happens if you do it for one week or one month or one year. And really, one year, I promise you, it's a whole different world the more embodied we are. Because <clears throat> physical reality is the ground that grounds. It grounds us, grounds our hearts and mind in the present, right? Remember, the first foundation of mindfulness is mindfulness of the body. And foundation, and it is, it's the foundation of all of mindfulness, is mindfulness of the body. And foundation, like I believe this, yeah, it does, this church has a foundation under it. And that holds us here. It supports us here. It allows us to land here. Because there's a structure that we call the foundation. And in Buddhist teaching, Mindfulness of the body is the foundation, the first of the four foundations of mindfulness. And so it centers us, it grounds us, it brings hearness, it brings a certain kind of support, a foundational support. And the belly, belly center, it allows us to stay with what's true. And of course, what's true is true, or truth is one of the translations of the Dharma. It allows us to be with the Dharma, which includes the totality of reality, good, bad, and, and in between. Because that's the whole show, is good, bad, and in between. It's not gonna, it doesn't make everything perfect, or that there's no problems, or anything like that. But it does allow us to start to get here, even with what's difficult, or what's painful, or what is hard to be with. And so one of the questions that you can reflect on for yourself right now, and we'll talk about more, is what keeps you from being embodied? Right? What keeps you? Because it'll be different. There'll be different particulars for each of us. Right? What keeps you from being embodied? And there may be all kinds of feelings or issues that come up about being embodied that you may be aware of or you may not be aware of, but they also keep you. There may be unconscious um, uh, feelings or issues that might keep us uh, from being embodied. Sometimes it might be because of our childhood or our history or what happened to us even when we were born. Even if we had a difficult birth, sometimes that can make it hard 
for consciousness to land in the body. And that's not a, it's not something we did wrong. So watch out for any self-judgment about any, we're not saying, oh, if you're not embodied, it's your fault. We're not saying that at all. That's no, don't go there at all. But just we want to see, oh, what's happened for us that we might not be able to, we're, either we're not embodied or it's not so easy for us to be embodied. You know, I wrote a whole bunch of things about, you know, it might be because of our form, our size, our shape, our gender, our culture, or differences regarding what embodiment is or how it was valued, where we grew up, the worlds we come from, right? And so it's part of the reflection for each of us. Uh, did, you, did you know people who were embodied? That's a really good question, because some people are more here, and that's part of what I'm calling embodiment. And some people, you feel them, they may be good people, but you, they're not here, they're not landed, they're not grounded, they're not centered, they're not embodied in a full way, in a complete way. Again, from my teacher Hamid, he said, attachment to our body Attachment to our body is inversely proportionate to not being fully inside our body. That, that's a very strong teaching. I'm going to say it again because it's, it, it's not just clear usually immediately. Attachment to our body is inversely proportionate to not being fully inside our body. That actually, if we land in our body, there's no need to be attached to the body we're just here. But when we're not really landed, grounded, centered in the body, there's much more, he's saying, attachment to the body. I'm, I've got to keep my body or fix my body or do something for my body or I need my body. And those are all relative truths, but he's saying the attachment itself is bigger when we're not landed in the body. And so then there's the, the other question for the re reflection. What, the first one being what keeps you from being embodied. Also, what supports your embodiment? What has supported you to be embodied? As I mentioned a little earlier, uh, you know, for me, it's always, I've always found it so helpful, the example of others who are in body, really in their body. So, you know, I like to have some exercise, and I go to the gym, and, uh, and I was there today, and uh, I was trying to learn how to do these squats. And you've, you've got a barbell on your back with some weights, and you're squatting with the weights. And, and uh, um, you know, and I'm, I don't, I'm not trying to get buff, but I want to get as uh, fit as possible because it's good for the body, and good for the body as we age to keep working it a bit. 
And so I'm doing it and I'm trying to get the form. That's what I'm trying to get more than anything is just get the form. Because I know if I get the form, everything will come from that. And then it's like, oh, I get embodied when I get the form. It's like, oh, because you can only get the form from the inside. But I look, I was watching because a lot of people were doing a similar exercise. And, uh, and I saw this one guy and oh, that guy, he had the form. Like he nailed the form. It was like, and I was like, oh, that's what I want. And so, and I, boom, I got the form because of him. I saw it in him. And the, and the, the person I was working with, we, we had a long talk then about seeing others do it and how we can then... Um, imbibe it by seeing others be embodied. We can start to get a feel for it or a sense of it. And here, so the example of others can be very helpful for being embodied. You know, if we had parents or caregivers who were embodied, it helps. If our caregivers weren't so embodied, we don't, we're not getting that example as we start out. Um, some of the other things that might support embodiment. Uh, athletics, which for me works. Also, dance is something. Some, And I'm looking, I'm here, for me, these are things that are enjoyable. And I'm not even a big dancer, but when I dance, it's so fun because the body just gets thrown around from the inside. And... You know, and I'm not even doing it. I'm just kind of moving to the music. Or, um, and then um, uh, doing certain kind of movement practices like yoga or qigong or anything like that can be very helpful at becoming embodied or being held. Sometimes we can land in our body for some of us when we're held, you know, hugged. Uh, being massaged sometimes, that's good for some people. But the key is still the same, learning how to let consciousness permeate the bodily experience from the inside. And please keep doing that even when I'm talking and you'll do it and then you'll forget to do it and that's fine, but then come back to it. This is from a woman, Marilyn Sewell. She said, the body has its own way of knowledge. No, excuse me. The body has its own way of knowing, a knowing that has little to do with logic and much to do with truth. The body has its own way of knowing, a knowing that has little to do with logic and much to do with truth, little to do with control and much to do with acceptance little to do with division and analysis and much to do with union. And it's the union, I believe, she's pointing at of consciousness and the body becoming one. And it's, it's pointed at in many different ways. I'll give you a few more in Buddhism. Uh, 
This is from my teacher's teacher's teacher. I might have mentioned this last time from Ajahn Mun. Uh, he said, in your investigation of the world, never allow the mind to desert the body. In your investigation of the world, never let the mind desert the body. Examine its nature, meaning the body's nature, see the elements that comprise it, see the impermanence of the body, see the selflessness of the body when sitting, standing, walking, lying down. When its true nature, when the, when the body's true nature is seen fully and lucidly by the heart, the wonders of the world will become clear. When its true nature is seen fully and lucidly by the heart, the wonders of the world will become clear. In this way, the purity of heart and mind can shine forth, timeless and delivered. So the purity of mind and heart shines forth based on the embodiment of us, of us being here now. And as many moments as possible, and really every moment ultimately, because we're always here now, whatever is happening, good or bad, right or wrong, like or not right, we're here. Why not be embodied? And there are reasons we don't want to be embodied at times, especially around pain or body difficulty. And you know, sometimes it may be appropriate to go out of our bodies, but we still have to come back and deal with the pain at some point. Here's the last quote from Miranda Shaw, who wrote a book called Passionate Enlightenment. It's a Tibetan practitioner. She said, embodiment. Embodiment is understood not to be a soul in a body, but rather a multi-layered mind-body continuum of corporality, affectivity, cognitivity, and spirituality, whose subtle layers, whose layers are subtly interwoven and mutually interactive. I'll, I'll say this again. Embodiment is understood not to be a soul in a body, but rather a multi-layered mind-body continuum of corporality, affectivity, cognitivity, and spirituality, whose layers are subtly interwoven and mutually interactive. This is seen not as a bounded or static entity, but as a site of a host of energies, inner winds and flames, dissolutions, meltings, flowings, that can bring about dramatic transformations in embodied experience and provide a bridge between humanity and divinity. Shall I read that again? Okay. So embodiment understood not to be a soul in a body, but rather a multi-layered mind-body continuum of, of, I'm going to change some of your language, physicality, emotionality, mentality, and spirituality, whose layers are subtly interwoven and mutually interactive. Right. So she's also talking about um, the sublime reality that is physical 
and sublime is subtle also, is multi-layers of reality that includes the body, that the body is the basis of, but includes our hearts and minds fully. And, and our true nature, I would add, in the way she's saying that. She said, um, this is not a bounded or static entity, static entity, but as the site of a host of energies, inner winds and flames, disillusions, melting and flowing that can bring about dramatic transformations in embodied experience and provide a bridge between humanity and divinity. And, and what she, her languaging is a very Tibetan kind of languaging, a host of energies, inner winds and flames, disillusions, melting, flowing, this is just all the subtle feelings, sensations of the body and the energies of the body, the aliveness of the body. And, and all you, all, if you want to see what she's pointing at, sense your body, sense the aliveness that's here. Because aliveness has a physicality, but it also has a sublime kind of texture happening right now that includes the body and is beyond the body. That's another way to say it. So let's take a break for bathroom break um, and stretch. Um, if you have questions, write them down because we'll come back for questions later. But also, um, uh, let's do a, a silent break. Stay with your body right now. Wherever you go, if you stretch or sit or go get some water or go to the bathroom, whatever. Um, all, whatever you want is fine, but don't, don't be social right now. You want to stay very close to your body. See how much you can let your consciousness permeate your body or stay rested in your body or your belly and the belly center. And the one last thing I'll say about the uh, hara is here's how I actually think about it and practice it. I like to point my attention at the hara, uh, but I think of it as a bullseye. Right? And if I hit the center, great, but if I hit anywhere on the bullseye, like, you know, in this, you know, I don't have a big bullseye, but we, we each have a different size bullseye, right? And just aim for here and then see what I'm aware of. And I can even, and even for years, especially when I first started doing hara practice, I always did it but with my breath because I was a breath meditator for many, many years. And it was great. So I would just be aware of the breathing in the belly and then find the center of the belly, the hara, while I was breathing. So you can use whatever works for you. Play with it, either sense the whole body or sense the whole body and the hara or just sense the hara. And we'll have about 10 minutes to stretch or get some water or go to the bathroom.